Uh, good morning and welcome to Smashy Business. I'm Lubna Hamdan. And I'm Richard Fitzgerald. Uh, Richard, great to have you uh, with us. I feel so lucky when you're with us in, in this studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been on the show with you. <laughs> Uh, how was uh, how was your night last night? It was Valentine's Day. It was really good. I went to a place called Nara in the desert. Like it's like three in one. It's Sonara, the ah. Ness, and Nara, and opened about a year ago. And you know, like um, there's so much tourism and hospitality in the region, but I just think it's got a USP that other parts of the world don't have. Like this, when they do hospitality properly, and this place really does it well. Like it's really touch of class. Everything, you know, you think you're going camping, but it's kind of glamping. Like you know, the accommodation is like stone rock and all that stuff, but it's like built into the sands, like a kind of a, wow. a, a mound. And you know, like I, I remember going uh, to Desert Safari as a tourist or with bringing people here in like 2012, 2013. And it was nice, it was a novelty, but I never went again. Never went again because it was a bit tacky, yeah. right? Like it was a bit like cool, like, but like, but what they've done in this environment is just, they've just leveled up, like the music, the singer, the performance. Like, there's nothing tacky about it. Mm. It's really, really nice. Absolutely. And how was your Valentine's? Uh, it was good. It what, was good. What did you do? Um, if my dad is listening to this, absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, but jokes aside, going back to, um, to hospitality, you know who I think does hospitality the best? Uh, and I think they've really helped the, the industry here in Dubai. It's Lebanese people. Yeah. I mean, they're just masters at it, right? Yeah. Give, you know, a Lebanese person like a, a concert to handle or, or any big event to handle and they just, you know, take it to the to the Agree. absolute next level, right? Agree. Um, like, yeah, my first exposure to Lebanese was like that 2012, 2015 in Beirut, going to all these nightclubs and that and all these restaurants. Like, yeah. Uh, Mad, Sky Bar, Iris, all that. And then they started coming here, but you're right, they did. But also, like, there's other influence as well. Like, the, there's the Rick Cass group who we've had on before. Uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of different groups and impact on it. But, like, I was just sitting there last night, you know, going, like, looking around at the clientele and going, wow. You know, like, mm -hmm. the, there was a mix. There was families, there was people bringing their kids. There was, like, it's just really, really nice. And you know, it is only for a few months of the year, which is the unfortunate thing, but... Uh, Dubai really does have a lot to offer, all, uh, you know, all budgets, so to say, and all like, uh, you know, and also the first point I was making really is that like, I've experienced this type of desert type hospitality in Saudi before, yeah, uh, both with friends and with, uh, you know, commercially or whatever. And it's just nice to see it pop up in, in, in Dubai and pop up kind of around the region a bit more. It's really nice. Definitely. And we, we did have a lot of uh, prices of Valentine's flowers and stuff on our smashy business yesterday. Did those prices shock you? Uh, the $20,000 uh, haven of roses. So basically it's uh, it's Bliss Flowers, which is an amazing boutique, by the way, and they, they're doing really well. And it is a homegrown brand. So I'm, I'm happy that you know they, they are succeeding. But $20,000 to fill your house or a room or a, a space of your choosing with red roses. Perishable or... red roses, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you're not a fan of, of that No, I mean, option. I'm just, just, Would I, you ever do that for, for a partner? I would just, I think everything's relative economically. Uh, but I think um, the a perishable, like I was just stating fact, like the, like you don't, you pay 20 grand for jewelry and you keep it. You pay 20 grand for roses and yeah. they're gone in a few days. Uh, That's no, I think, true. I think things are relative. I mean, we often talk about But this, what about like, travel? You pay a lot for travel, and that's an experience, and, and you don't get to keep it. Yeah, I don't mean it's bad. Like, the roses can be worth it. I'm just saying it's perishable. Like, experiences yeah. aren't, yeah. 
Yeah, true. No, look, I mean, I I would never I would never do that. I would never pay for that. I I would ever 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 like if you like it's relative, no. Like if you're I mean, if it's a wedding, it's different, right? But I mean, I mean, a smart thing you can do is have your wedding and then just transfer all the flowers into your, you know. But then you need to get married first, I guess. Mm. Doesn't make much sense, does it? But I'm just saying, if you want to have that experience, every girl wants to experience walking into a room filled with flowers, right? Uh, But one thing I was thinking of. Is I got a lot of flowers on my birthday, yeah. and uh, yeah, the forest at your desk, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> but garden. I got so many bouquets from friends, uh, and they're filled. Like right now, my room is filled with flowers, right? But I can't breathe at night. I have to like pop open a window because you you actually can't breathe from that much smell. So I'm thinking, even if you put all those flowers in that space, how? How are you even going to breathe? Looks pretty on Instagram. You know? though. Looks pretty. But anyways, I just wonder if all of these businesses give it, you know, uh, putting up all these packages, is it really just a publicity stunt or do people actually pay for this? I think uh, there's definitely publicity stunts when, you know, originally in Love in Dubai when restaurant bills go viral, and other people manufacture them. I know mm-hmm. one DJ and hotel in the Palm, uh, they, they would say, oh, look at this bill, blah, blah, blah. But like, we know you're trying to copy that viral moment that The other one did, and right or whatever we talked about when them on the show. But right. like, there's some sort of things like what can get something viral, right? And what yeah. can get something the attention. But no, like, look at the wealth in the city. Like, what's twenty thousand dollars if you're spending? Uh, if, if you're a multi, if you know, if it's yeah. relative, right? Like, that's it's true. It's um, it's a drop in the ocean for some people. That's uh, true. Realistically, it would be interesting to get in touch with with Bliss Flowers and find out how many people actually bought uh, the highest bought package. Yeah. Because you know what, they didn't publicize this. It wasn't in, it wasn't covered by any other media outlet. The only reason, excess yeah. because well, the only reason I covered it is I just went on the website. Uh, I was comparing. I wanted to see how much um, fl- flower shops were hiking up prices for Valentine's Day, mm. and then I just noticed that. Um, 75,000 dirhams, mm. that's a lot of money. Mm. Um, but it would be, yeah, I'll, I'll get in touch and find out how many people actually opted for that yeah, option. Yeah. But look, like, you know, you had someone on yesterday talking about gifts and delivery and, you know, e-commerce. Like, yes, these days are commercial manufactured days. However, uh, the transactions that take place have real impact on economies, give people jobs, and also create nice experiences and feelings. So we can that, be That are perishable. The brother pressure. Are you a romantic, Richard? Uh, I don't know. Like, what you mean? That's, because, how is this relevant? Because the first word was that you used was perishable. No, <laughs> I, was I, I, like you're picking up on that. Like, I was just stating the fact. Like, you have to. What are you going to spend twenty thousand dollars on, right? Like, uh, I, I particularly like again. I would do it if it's relative. Like, if if I'm spending fifty thousand dollars on jewelry. Or whatever, and then I'll pay twenty thousand dollars in flowers. But I wouldn't spend twenty thousand dollars on the flowers. That's perishable. And then like a hundred dollars on like a gift. Do you know what I mean? It's just relative. I agree. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I have more questions. Like if you had that much money, if you had seventy-five thousand dirhams or twenty twenty thousand dollars, what would you spend it on? I don't think people like personally like and you know, I don't think people should splurge on this stuff generally. But I wouldn't begrudge them who have money to spend. Like yeah, I think agreed. it's better yeah. to invest. I personally think it's you know. I was thinking the same thing actually. Yeah. You know, like I I always love those quotes where it's like. I got an email yesterday, and it says I've been paying a Netflix subscription to, since 2014. I don't feel sick because I don't watch Netflix pretty much. Like, uh, and uh, it's got no live sports, and its Arabic shows aren't great, or whatever. But like, so 
Uh, but I don't, I, you know, you see these quotes of like, if I'd put shares, that amount of money into Netflix, how much would it be worth? Luckily, I have got Netflix shares because like media, whatever, but like, it's always better to invest, right? I was kind of going off topic. I know we have a guest outside, but I That's usually only invest in, um, in media stocks, right? Or whatever, some stuff I know about. But someone was telling me about, um, I even forget now, I should know. There's a fashion brand and um, they were saying that the shoes are really nice. And then yeah. I saw uh, an Italian fashion brand. I get the name of it. And Laura I, Piano. Uh, no, <clears throat> name a few more. But um, I, I find out. I use the Get Baraka app. You know Baraka? Baraka, yeah. Baraka, yeah. blessing, yeah. Like, um, so that's a regional startup, uh, like a Robin Hood of the region. And it's mm. really good. And they used to have no fees on trade. So I saw it like... Um, these Scandinavian actors who are famous in Hollywood wearing these clothes. Mm. So I was like, cool, will I buy the shoes? And I went on to buy the shoes and they were a thousand dirhams. And I was like, ah, I'm gonna see if those, if the company's listed. And you know, in fashion, right? Like when you've got a really good designer, uh, the house will do well while that person is there. Like it takes right. them a while to set their tone. And this guy's yeah. been there since about 2018. And now they're rising, they're firing, right? And they listed last year and you see the luxury uh, companies coming up. Let me get you the name of it. So of all, like, look at all these are the tech stocks I have, right? Netflix, Spotify, Roku, Disney, and then in the Zenia. middle, of, yeah, in the oh, middle of all these tech okay. stocks, I've got this random Italian fashion brand, right? right? But right. the reason I put a thousand dollars into it is because I was like, well, I can buy the shoes, or I can buy the shares. Yeah. So we just bought the shares. Or you can buy both. You could, yeah, but I just bought the shares. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could afford it, but yeah. Anyway, it's not a flex. It's just a point that like. Uh, you know, for me, it's an unusual investment, mm -hmm. but it goes back to the point that like, what are the things, you know, what would you spend money on? Whatever? That's really interesting. You know what, for, for my birthday a couple of years back, my sister actually uh, set up an account for me with uh, Sarua. Uh, and basically, they they help you um, invest if if you're a beginner or you don't know how how to do that. So they invest your money for you, um, and it was one of the best gifts that, that I had ever gotten. Mm. Basically, uh, I'm not going to tell you what I did with the money because I actually oh no okay I'm I'm going to embarrass myself and just say I I regret this right I didn't keep the money there I took it out and I I used it to shop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's the difference between you and I. No, I, mean, I would have bought the shoes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a smart business decision. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, right uh, back to the news. <laughs> um, so Saudi has passed uh, a new law protecting whistleblowers, um, and step conference is taking place, uh, guys. Step uh, twenty twenty four. We'll get back to that. Uh, Kuwait has resumed issuing family visit visas after over a year of halting them. Uh, crypto exits are still low, but investors don't seem to care. We'll find out why shortly. Tech entrepreneur Yuri, who founded Clario, an antivirus company with multi-million dollar revenues, is waiting in the studio, outside the studio as we speak, so we'll get to that as well. Stay tuned. Um, Saudi. Yeah. So uh, Saudi has had a lot of controversies around uh, whistleblowers, uh, you know, women's rights, everything really. It's been in the news, um, you know, uh, for, for a while. Now uh, it's doing much, much better. Uh, what do you think of this new legislation? It, it's aimed obviously at securing the, the safety of individuals, uh, you know, whether you're a victim of uh, threats, uh, blackmail, etc. Um, I wonder if it includes journalists. I wonder. Uh, I, you know, I think everything, you know, the, there was announcements last week about uh, people who'd lost their jobs for corruption, and Saudi's been doing this for a while. I think what they want to do is provide a safe place for foreign direct investment and for people, private and public sector, to grow businesses. 
Um, and then, you know, if there's corruption taking place, and if someone sees it, to encourage that people to come forward and not to mm -hmm. be afraid that they're defaming someone and stuff like that. And the UE do it quite well, like this e-crime things, you know, it's quite transparent. There's a proper law court and, you know, Saudi's doing a lot on modernizing their legal system. I spoke to a lawyer in Riyadh last week who spent two years in NEOM mm -hmm. working on the legal framework for NEOM. And like a lot of the debate was like, hey, like if you if you create a complete new legal system, then that's a lot of control. And like, is that a separate country? Right. And then the flip point of it is, well, if Saudi is modernizing its law, then why can't that modern law work in NEOM, you know? Yeah. And, and people have loads of different views on it. And it depends on where you stand and what legal system you know. But what we see in, in the UAE is that, you know, the DIFC courts have worked quite well. Um, and then, you know, the free zones and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think I think all the things that Saudi are doing, like headline things like this, uh, will be part of that modern legal system they're trying to change. Right. You know, it's interesting you you mentioned that people have different views on it. But, you know, what, what I really admire about MBS is, is he just he doesn't care because you have to do what you have to do. You know, you can't wait for people to be OK with the changes or, or yeah. the, the new regulations or, or, or whatnot. So, yeah, he, I think he's just uh, just killing yeah. it. Look, if it's whistleblowing for corruption, then I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so you sent me something interesting uh, yesterday, speaking of um, of uh, investments and, and kind of gift giving that has value in it. So Stepfeed have uh, have a newsletter and it says, Happy Wednesday and Happy Valentine's Day to all of you lovebirds out there. If you're still looking for a last minute gift for your loved ones, well, here's an idea. Why don't you enrich their minds and rejuvenate their spirits by getting tickets for both you, for our, uh, for both of you, for our Step Conference 2024. Yeah, buy one, get one free, buy fruit, love one. Oh, I love it. Like, it's great. Like, <laughs> it's what, so cool, yeah. isn't it? That's a cool newsletter. Yeah, it's cool newsletter. And it's a cool way, and it's a cool way for you to announce the segue that we're our media partnerships for Step Conference. <laughs> exactly. So I was just getting to that, but I did want to give them a little uh, Smashy yeah, actually launched at Step Conference in 2019. That was our first year. Really? Yeah, first day. It's a completely different version of Smashy now, but like, wow. Step, we go back a long way with Step. And they've been around since, I think, Ray will kill me, but 2014, 2015, yeah. uh, he was just a kid then, and like they've been a, a really good part of the tech ecosystem in the region. Yeah, yeah, no, love, love Ray. Uh, right, so SEP Conference 2024, uh, in partnership with Smashy Business, is the ultimate tech and startup festival happening on February 21 and 22 in Dubai Internet City, with over 8,000 attendees, over 400 startups, and more than 250 speakers. It's the premier event to explore the latest trends and innovations in the tech industry. Experience engaging talks, workshops, and networking opportunities with industry leaders like uh, Amjad Masad and Jenny Zeng. Use our promo code MEDP-UPF uh, for up to 20% off tickets. There's limited availability, so secure yours now. That's exciting. I'm excited. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Step. So they do different tracks. They've got like startup track, tech track, uh, digital stage. I'll be speaking on the digital stage about localizing content on Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll, you'll be there. We'll be doing some podcast interviews 
get yes. in touch if you'd yes. like to be on the show. We'll be doing this show all next week, and there'll be two days exclusively dedicated to stuff. Yeah, we will be there, so do come and, uh, and check us out. Uh, right, I know you don't think the story is, is a big story, uh, Richard, but <laughs> <laughs> Kuwait has resumed oh, issuing uh, family visit visas. Uh, no, I wasn't talking about STEP, I was yeah, talking yeah. about the... Yeah, yeah, the Kuwaiti one, yeah. Uh, so, right, so, you know, in August 2022, everyone was kind of talking about this. Kuwait uh, stopped issuing family visit visas. Uh, and now you asked me, how is this business related? Um, you know, imagine Dubai was doing that. Right. I mean, when you look back at Kuwait, uh, Kuwait was the first GCC company, uh, sorry, country. So they stopped in 2022, have, uh, and now the news is that they restarted it. They've restarted it okay. now, uh, and uh, it's all part of their new regulations to kind of, you know, Kuwait has always wanted to, uh, to kind of like right now it's 30% Kuwaitis and 70% expats, and they've always kind of wanted to level level it up a bit, right? Make that number closer to. To, to equal and they have been you know uh, having a lot of kind of regulations uh, towards that but Kuwait was you know very very progressive back in the day right I mean no nobody would have thought that you know Kuwait would be where it is at now no no hate to it or anything we, we love Kuwait but it was the first GCC uh, country to have a school you know um, mm. so I think yeah I, I just think it's an interesting topic to see yeah. where, where this is gonna go because you know do you want the expats you do you not want them uh, you know I feel like it's not not really working yeah. out for it anyway yeah we don't we don't talk much about Kuwait what, what Kuwait from a startup scene there's a there's a few interesting startups out of Kuwait absolutely uh, yeah. there's also culinary expands. I was in a really fancy restaurant, cafe type place in Riyadh recently and it's from Kuwait. Like you watch the Kuwaiti TV shows uh, and you know, the, so the, so it's very, it's very kind of Islamic uh, country. It's very influencers. Some of the biggest influencers in the region are from Kuwait. Right. So there's a lot of culture there in, in a Kuwaiti way. Mm -hmm. And, but we don't hear about it that much. And it because you're right, it's because it's like, it's like, it's not an emirate of course, but yeah. you know, it's more kind of geographically linked towards Saudi, but it's, but it's like um, it's like an emirate that's just got stricter rules, right? Mm. Like in that in that view of a GCC state. Yeah. And when they do, which you, you're right to to bring it up, because when they do change regulation and when they do try and in, incentivize and bring people in, but like even even um, like a lady who works in the office, Tasneem, our operations manager, like even her family's in Qatar and she finds it hard to get in and out, you know, right, unless right. the higher app is working. Like yeah. it, sometimes it's hard to travel to these countries because of weird rules that we just don't understand. I should, maybe shouldn't say them like that, but like um, you know. But I, I think it, you know a lot of uh, the other non-business news out of Kuwait in the last few years has been about the government and about the uh, not the leadership from you know I know that, uh, the Sheikh Amir passed away, but it's more from a you know from a who's sitting and who's elected as ministers right, and stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, change there and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And there's also some stories on. Um, there's sovereign wind funds and things like that and the wealth of it and linked to London. I don't know the technical details, but mm -hmm. it is an interesting country to uh, to watch, especially from a, a startup ecosystem point of view. And to your point, you know, like uh, many people in Dubai's parents uh, and, you know, a lot of the Palestinian uh, people had uh, what big businesses before the Gulf War and, you know, in the 90s, like the, the Kuwait did play a big role in the Gulf in the past. It, it economically. really did, yeah. It really did, yeah, yeah. sorry. I mean, I, there were a lot of Palestinians there, the Palestinian teachers and, and engineers, and, and they really helped 
uh, you know, yeah. builds a lot of a lot of those yeah. parts of the country. I mean, hopefully, the macro theme theme here is all you know, all boats and rising tides and that, yeah, like, yeah. and that the whole region rises. I mean, look look at Saudi. You know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, uh, crypto exits uh, are still low, uh, but investors don't seem to care. So uh, there's a new crypto report by PitchBook, uh, and it shows that VC investment rose 2.5 percent uh, more in Q4. Uh, last year compared to Q3, uh, despite the deal volumes having dropped nearly the same percentage, actually. Um, and uh, Q4 last year saw the lowest number of crypto exits ever since Q4 2020 with 12 exits. Now, that's huge. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot happening in crypto right now. Do you mean like st uh, crypto Web3 startups selling yes. their companies? Yes, exactly. Rather than people cashing out in the crypto stock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, look, I had, you know, crypto, Bitcoin rose to $50,000 recently for the highest time since December 2021. Right. That's, you know, two and a half years ago. Like, I think there's definitely, you know, crypto has always been around momentum and wave and hype cycles, especially yeah. the values of the coins and all that. But um, as people said, when it went through its winter, like in 2022, some people, uh, lasted it out, waited out, and mm. some people use that as a building period. And I think maybe that the investors who like the Web3 space are investing and still seeing this as a building period. But no, we're not back to the level of like lots of exits. All the all the money in the exits right now is in AI linked companies, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, true, true. But you know, there's a lot happening uh, with, with crypto here in Dubai and, and specifically Abu Dhabi as well, right? We had a story up the other day. You weren't on the show, unfortunately, but uh, it was Alex from uh, Velas uh, and Coin Payments, uh, and he just went on a rant, put out a tweet, uh, and called uh, Finson. Uh, uh, a mob of thugs uh, and, and told them to go to hell basically because mm, <laughs> yeah. they you know they, they had uh, regulators in the US uh, regulators in the US uh, are apparently accusing him uh, of um, uh, a financial crime basically yeah it looks like you know Jamie Dimon and these guys these these big, big guys who run all the financial institutions in the US just uh, like he, just, he basically said recently like we just need to stop talking about crypto and there's a, mm. probably a whole other story going on there but like it just does seem that they're trying to paint some people under the same brush, like yeah. that there's, you know, they're just trying to uh, paint crypto in a negative way. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a lot of events here coming up. I know there's a big uh, crypto, it's got a number in it, I should know. There's a big, big crypto conference in the next few weeks in Dubai. Binance are going to do something massive in Dubai, their global event. They've got 2,000 employees in, in Dubai. Mm. Uh, you know, they ha handle all of Asia here. So there, there is a lot of crypto uh, stuff going on here. And it does feel like it's a, still, it's a building phase. You know, I can't predict the future, but I kind of think that we will come back out of it. Like, I'm a big proponent of Web3. I think it's the natural evolution of social media. Yeah. Social media isn't dying. It's just the value exchange on the back of it. The creators haven't been paid sort of thing. Yeah. I think Web3 is a natural fit for token economy and allowing people to exchange in digital currencies. And I think we'll get there eventually. NFTs were obviously the wrong way to do that. Yeah. Um, and there was so much hype around those. But I think, I think uh, you know, dig digital is just, uh, the, the door is open on digital, right? Like, and it's just going to keep on moving forward. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's it's really exciting. I would love to continue this conversation, Richard, but there we do I'm have being a guest. Off again, yeah. <laughs> no, all right. Not at all. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> kind of. Uh, no, I'm kidding. So uh, <laughs> we've got a, a great tech entrepreneur who's also been a, a mentor to a lot of people, helped out a lot of companies. Um, Yuri is going to be in the studio with us uh, in just a few minutes. Stay tuned.
Yuri uh, Voines. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. That's right. You got it. Welcome to the to the uh, studio. Thank you for uh, having me. You're a tech and AI entrepreneur. You do a lot of things. Tell me exactly what what you're doing right now. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I've uh, launched my first tech company soon after I graduated from the tech university in two, back in 2009. I've launched 17 pro different products along my career. My last startup called figweb.com in the privacy space was acquired by Aura, A-U-R-A.com, mm -hmm. Boston-based cybersecurity company in April 2020 and I've been with the company ever since and I drive their innovation function as the chief innovation officer so mm -hmm. that's what I do. And how how is it going right now because there are a lot of changes <coughs> and shifts uh, do you want to grab a do you want to have a sip of water? I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> Was it my question that's making you cough? It's actually water. <laughs> it's the water. Okay. Yeah, it is the water. <laughs> so, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, sorry to kind of you know, uh, push you to, towards the deep end right now with this question, but obviously we're seeing a lot of layoffs uh, in the tech industry. Yeah. You know, a lot of shifts are happening. Some people are saying it's, it's just a healthy balance because, you know, the salaries were too high. How is it, how, how is it going? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think that uh, the layoffs that we're seeing in this year are different from the layoffs we've been seeing last year. I think last year was, was more about productivity and really the, you know, cheaper, money, investment money available on the market and uh, staff being a little bit um, expanded to the mm -hmm. point where it makes a little bit less economic sense. I think right now, it's surprisingly, we see a lot of uh, reduction in workforce related to the AI, AI and optimizations in the workforce. Yeah. Uh, so it makes more sense uh, to generate content. You, you rely on less um, people, people mm -hmm. through a lot of things you produce. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, I think um, the investment is still not picking up. I think the, the economy is doing well. Mm -hmm. The investment aren't uh, picking up yet. I think everyone is optimistic. But AI is probably an outlier where the investment is really pouring into the space. Mm -hmm. uh, not everywhere, but in many different uh foundational companies that are build, being built as we speak, yeah. the investment is flowing. The rest of the industry is still in the recovery mode. So I think that um, even though I don't know if the layoffs will continue, but I think we're we're moderately optimistic about the, the market, but that's 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 my opinion. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, how? Uh, first of all, t tell us a little bit about uh, Aura uh, and uh, how much how much AI do you guys use it in yeah. the company? Yeah, yeah. So I joined Aura in April 2020, and this was uh, on the back of the Figlif acquisition, which is the one app for total privacy. Mm -hmm. Aura uh, has. What, tell me a little bit about, about your app that, that got acquired before we talk about this. Absolutely. It's a one app for total privacy. Uh, we wanted to have fun with the name, so that's the Figlif. You know, it's this little lift on the Adam and Eve stated, so it covers up your privacy. We wanted to have fun a, a, a little bit with that. Okay. Uh, but what, what, what is it exactly? It's an app that allows consumers to be more private in the online. So we have discovered okay. the need of, uh, we have discovered the pain point of private data being used against people. So, okay. Back in 2014, yeah. way before privacy was hip. And uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> before privacy was hip, I yeah. love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's what happened. And then we were in the middle of this massive. Uh, 
tornado with the privacy. Our idea was quite simple. So the, the way internet works, you constantly have to give up your private data. There's just no way around that. But then every single time you give up your data, it's being collected somewhere, processed somewhere, and it's out of your control. And people who own your data, they can't really protect it. Even though they want, and a lot of company want, like we've, like 23andMe got breached, right? That carries all the DNA data. So it's yeah. a lot of Marriott, a lot of co those companies, bigger companies that were really trying hard yeah. to protect it. So it's just a, another effect of life that this company will leak your data and they really, the reality, they can't protect it. So our idea was very simple. Don't don't give your data mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way. So just mask your data. We were we wanted to mask your data. So instead of you giving your real email, we would do the uh, masked email. We called it uh -huh. masked email. Mm -hmm. We invented the masked email before Apple did the email relay. So you you know if you can sign up with Apple, wow. sometimes it uh, gives you two options, like using your Apple ID or using your, um, uh, your... like relay email email fake yeah. email so no one would know your real email so that's the same idea we came up with this idea way before before apple and yeah yeah it was which is something that we're really proud of yeah and then we wanted to replicate this to your connection to your uh, credit card to your uh, phone number so why don't you need to give up your phone number and other pii so that nice. is how we got started and the company was based in so it was based, uh, I was always based here, and okay. then we would have the R&D office back in Kiev, in Ukraine. Okay. I'm okay. originally Ukrainian, was born there, and yeah. this is how I would launch most of my businesses. Yeah. Okay, that's amazing, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, how much were you guys acquired for? That is undisclosed, and unfortunately, <laughs> I cannot disclose it. You uh, see how smooth I was with that yes, question? Yes, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, I can disclose. Let me say that it's, um, you know, it wasn't um, a massive uh, acquisition. We were yeah. uh, still an earlier stage sure. uh, startup. It, it's still great, though, that, that we is. got acquired. Absolutely, absolutely. A any, uh, I mean, any advice uh, for startups who are looking to get acquired? Uh, what are the pros? What are the cons? We were not looking to get acquired. So the story, and let me tell you, like the, I can tell you the story with the sizzle, and there was a lot of, um, you know, a lot of edge in our in Go our story, it. but uh, the. Um, the twist we had in FigLiff was that we were trying to distribute uh, the software through the large OEM partners. So we had an advisor in Silicon Valley who's been uh, very, very well versed mm -hmm. with um, the OEM channel. So this is the manufacturers of the PCs. Uh, and then we managed to sign a contract with Lenovo being a startup. I think nice. reflecting that, yeah, I signed, I signed the deal. <laughs> yeah. How we did were... you celebrate after you signed that deal? <laughs> um, this this was ever very interesting. The Lenovo uh, team has came to our Ukrainian office, and we were signing the deal together. We wanted to do something fun, and um, we um, we invited them to the. Uh, for a drifting, so we wanted to hire professional drifters, and wow. the entire Lenovo team were drifting. <laughs> That's yeah, and so we just cool. had a dinner, like a traditional dinner. That's yeah, cool. so, yeah, <laughs> nothing really fancy. But um, what we realized, and everything was amazing, and this is like extraordinary to sign a, it's a partner that um, produces gazillion of amount of devices all over the world for mm -hmm. mobile brands and. Uh, you know, Lenovo is even in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, but what we realized is that in order to operationalize on that deal, mm -hmm. it you have to have a lot of capital. <laughs> yeah. Sure. There is 
there, it's just the beginning, the contract, the signing of the contract, even though it was the largest contract in my life and it was very difficult to sign it, it's just really the beginning. Then it's the hard work and um, going to the end of this, I did manage to launch to launch the partnership, yeah. but it took me a couple years, uh, more than a year, let me say that. And um, it was a um, uh, titanic effort uh -huh. that uh, most of the team has to do. Um, it, for a good reason, they are very they are large, and this is how what startups probably going back to your question don't realize about working with the enterprise companies. Like the enterprise lives in its own world. It's slower. It's um, more stable. It's like a ten thousand feet flight yeah. <laughs> versus you know like a helicopter flying next to the. Yeah. Yeah. You can constantly fall, and you know if you fall a little bit, the ground is very near. For them, it's different. So yeah. they want to be safe. They want to be compliant. They want to be this. They want nice to be secure. Analogy. They want to be private, right? And when they ask you all that, it's it makes total sense to them. Uh, but it is very difficult for a young startup to accomplish. So that's why we were looking for an investment mm -hmm. or a strategic partner. So mm -hmm. going back to your question, we didn't want to uh, get acquired. We had to <laughs> because okay. we 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 yeah. needed the capital to to invest in the business. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we would lose the deal, and and of course, we didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. Startups are being acquired for many different reasons. Uh, I mean, we're seeing more, uh, you know, uh, M&As, mergers and, and acquisitions. You know, we had uh, uh, two guys with us here uh, before yesterday, the day before yesterday. And, um, you know, they're, they're both um, a podcast slash audio content platforms. Uh, and, and, you know, it was Salt.com, uh, sorry, Salt uh, Media uh, acquired uh, Rising Giants. I don't know if you've heard of them. They, they do, they do, uh, they specialize in, in Arabic content. A really, really interesting podcast and amazing stuff. But we had them over and they were talking about, you know, expecting more and more of these acquisitions. Yeah. Look, when the industry is booming and where eventually when some consolidation happens on the market, uh, M&A is very active, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think uh, depending on the sector and the industry yeah. and the location, yeah. different hub, it's, you know, you're in the different side of the cycle. Yeah. Um, also, the important question like what companies are acquiring are acquiring assets customers teams uh right. market share so you right. know every acquisition is different i True. i did acquire one company throughout my career this which was an american startup um uh called mac update it's like a website that has collection of different software yeah uh, and I was leading the deal, I, I you know, aside the deal, and then I sold the startup. So I've been on both sides. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And, Interesting. And it's, the rationale can be very different. It's you know, acquiring a public company, uh, taking a public company back, uh, being private. All of those deals, they are very different. And. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> really interesting. We, we can sit and talk about this all day, but I do want to go back to uh, my question about AI uh, and and how you know. How are you dealing with that at Aura? Because yeah. how important is the human touch when it comes to developing AI and using it in the right way? Because, for example, when it comes to chat uh, GPT, for example, people are using it but using it in the wrong way where, uh, you know, some companies even use it um, to, to write work for clients and then send it to the clients and then clients say, we know you use chat GPT, so we're not going to pay you for this because 
it's not good enough. You know, we hired you for a reason. We could have just done that ourselves. Uh, you still need to train ChatGPT to write well, uh, and it still does a lot of mistakes. That, that's, you know, that's just one example. Um, how is it with, with you guys? Right. So when I joined Aura, uh, uh, my primary goal was to operationalize the deal with Discuss with Lenovo. But uh, soon afterwards, I pivoted. So mm -hmm. I started to drive the innovation function. I started to um, see what's next for Aura. What are their uh, product features and markets we're, we're about to conquer. And very soon, we pivoted to the scam market. So most of my work at Aura has been dedicated. Uh, we're doing another massive project right now, but so far most of my work has been dedicated to fighting and combating scams across messages, calls, mm. emails, and you know, all of those um, different channels. And um, and, and how, how do you do that? We are using a lot of AI. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, there is a large data science team that works alongside with me. So we have the proprietary uh, resources, the mm. data engineering team, the data science team, all of that. Uh, in order to operationalize on that technology. Mm -hmm. uh, AI is a group of multiple technologies, right? So what people uh, think of AI is not necessarily what it really is. And I think um, uh, everyone primarily refers to the large language model, which is a generative AI, and GPT is just, you know, the open AI technology is just one example of yeah. that. But there is also machine relearning, there is also natural language processing, so, mm -hmm. and all of those bits and pieces are being used when we're, we're mm -hmm. doing this. The way I think about that is um, it's a very powerful technology, just like the internet, right? Which has its own pros and cons, and I think this country is actually on the frontier of understanding with you know the Ministry of AI yeah, and being right. yeah, on the frontier absolutely. of that. Um, we use AI uh, for a very narrow use case. Yeah. So what we uh, used AI for is uh, to review all the communications that you're having through multiple channels and look for very specific signs of scams. Okay, that is a very uh, different. Uh, it like. If you look at your email inbox right now, for example, um, you might have what, like 100-ish emails on a daily basis. Most of them you can easily recognize being spam, you know, being relevant, but yeah. if it's a very highly targeted scam uh, and you're in a rush, it might be very difficult for you to uh, recognize that, you know, there was just one email one letter difference in the email or this link was shaded. Right, because they're becoming very sophisticated, these yes, scammers, right? They are. And, uh, and that is surprisingly very easy for AI to pick up. So AI is just a technology that processes data. So when they know what to look, uh, and they've been looking at this for a long time, it's very easy for for, a, for machine really learning in this case to recognize and, and find that. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. So this is a perfect use case mm -hmm. for AI. It's all about selecting your use case, yeah. training the model, having the data set, and uh, you know connecting all the bits and pieces. Yeah. Uh, it's not about generative AI and large language model is probably a different beast because um, people are use, using this for way many different purposes. But mm. from a business perspective and a business application, you have to understand your use case. What are right. you trying to accomplish? And then you have to understand uh, if AI is the right fit. And if it's a customer-facing uh, product, then you also have to be mindful that one of the fundamental flaws mm. of large language model, that it makes mistakes. It mm -hmm. feeds on the data and the data feeds itself. There's mm -hmm. a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. 
So all that large language model do mm -hmm. is hallucinate in a way. Right. Right. But most of the time, if the yeah. model done right, it does it well. But sometimes it doesn't. So there, there are lots of lots of controls and things you have to instill in order to get it this right. I I really like the fact that you're simplifying, uh, you know, technology uh, terms. Because yeah. uh, I am understanding everything you're, you're saying versus people who just throw a lot of big words at you and, and you, you know, you just have no idea what's going on. Uh, and then that's when you start to hallucinate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you lose focus. <laughs> um, so let's talk about scams here in the UAE. Are, are we seeing, you know, are we seeing, are you seeing more and more scams? How sophisticated are they getting? Um, what's the situation and how are you combating that? And how can, how can people use Aura to, to help them? Yeah, I wish people could use Aura here in the UAE, but unfortunately it's the product and it's the company policy being available only for the Americans, so it's just the US only product. Right. However, okay. I do see, I've been studying that for many years now and I... Do we see an expansion here? I think that UAE is, um, is not an exception uh, and among other uh, uh, lucrative, let me say, uh, countries for scammers mm. is uh, being very well targeted. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. So the scams, uh, they are booming. Uh, first of all, it's a big industry for the scammers. We know this for a fact that people lose a lot of money. It's very difficult to get this money out. Yeah. So, um, yeah. you know, someone is making that money. <laughs> right. That's another part of that. Yeah. And scams are being distributed over a channel. So most, uh, in the most early days, the vulnerability was the vulnerability of your device. It's the virus and antivirus industry yeah. was picking up. Yes. And that is really because the device wasn't secure enough and we needed to do something with that. Right. Now the device, the cloud infrastructure, most of that got to the point where in order to break that, you have to invest a lot, mm -hmm. and people still do that, but it's not a mass market type of thing. Right. But what scammers realize is that misleading people is much easier than misleading or hacking machine. Mm -hmm. So most of the scams on in the industry the, of the bad guys has pivoted mm -hmm. towards social engineering, what we call social engineering. Right. It's pretending to be someone you're not. Right. We right. are going to pretend we're Dubai police. We're going to pretend we're an Emirates post yeah. and yeah. send you SMS so you have you have a package just click exactly. this fraudulent link yeah we are you know where to buy police we need your Emirates yeah. ID for blah or we need we're from you from from the bank we're gonna yeah. block your account just give us your UAE pass uh, OTP yeah. right now uh, that uh, combined with the pressure tactics mm. and some some sort of psychology does work to a percent of people which in and of itself is big enough to keep this industry booming mm -hmm. and reinvesting. And then AI just makes things worse because right. let's say you are reading an, a fake email or a targeted hijacked campaign email. Uh, it is very easy for me to tell AI, hey, uh, read these five emails and write me email about that, but in that style of the person. Uh, who you just uh, read. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. And we as human beings, we... So I, I got one security incident throughout my life. Yeah. My utility bill company was hacked and I um, I was uh, chatting with my with the manager from this utility, uh, utility company, which I know very well. Okay. And she would always call me... Uh, over the email, she would tell me, Mr. Yuri, which is 
very rarely someone calls me Mr. Yuri. Right. <laughs> no one does that. Right. And she would have this her style. And when I think when their company get hacked, what happened, they sent uh, emails to all of their customer base, including me. And I really believed in that. So they, they really got me because, and then I realized this later on, we used the style of the wow. message. If they got you, Yuri. Right. The rest of us are doomed. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that was a very new thing too. Okay. And this is the example of how AI is just booming the industry. We are using the style, the writing style, as a way to verify that the person on the other side is that person. Mm -hmm. It's something that just happens automatically in the background. Right. But then you cannot really trust that anymore, which is something that people don't know because so, it is so easy to mimic the other style. So give us some advice if we want to protect ourselves. Because um, there, there is Clario. Uh, does, does that help? Clario is, is your app as well. No, that's my first company that I actually started. Uh, oh, that's your first company? That is my very, very first company. Okay. So, so help us, help us, Yuri. How, how can we protect we, ourselves? We say it's two things. Uh, so I have, there are three things or three uh, directions that we we should take. First is the awareness, mm -hmm. um, just consumer awareness. And in the business, uh, they do this through training, ongoing, constant training. In the consumer side, nothing really is happening. So that is why I actually like uh, attending shows like that yeah. because I do really believe, um, especially in the case of senior, I've seen a case where a senior person got scammed and uh, it got tremendous impact on the mental health of the person. And I, I, I've seen as someone who was saying like, we don't really care about losing a couple thousand dollars. It's just like, we don't want to lose our grandma. You know what I mean? So people can right. get severely hit with scams uh, right. mentally. Yeah. Uh, so we want to raise the awareness and let them know that the fundamental change in our time is that you cannot trust whatever you read here over the digital communication. Period. Even yeah. the phone. And older people, they trust the phone, which gets them tricked. Yes. The way, the very simple advice from Yuri, <laughs> yeah. which everyone can follow, and it's so easy, but no one does that. Whenever someone asks you to click on something or send you money or provide an OTP or anything that is sensitive, do 2FA two-factor authentication. Right. If you have this over the phone... I'm proud of myself now because I do have that. <laughs> right. But not just from a website login perspective, but from a communication perspective. That's just okay. an analogy that I'm using. So oh, let's okay. say let's say your brother calls you or sends you a message, yeah. SMS and send, mm -hmm. or WhatsApp, and says, you, hey, I, I really need your help. Just can you send me, uh, can you send me money through this link? Mm. Pick a phone call him and say, hey, I just got this weird message from you or a DM in, on Insta. Is this really you? What's happened? I just wanted to double check. Yeah. Or if they call you, likewise, send a WhatsApp. Like, I wasn't really sure. Why, why are we doing this exactly? Mm. It is very difficult for scammers to compromise multiple channels. So uh, the easiest thing to do is to double check if the communication is real okay. through the other channel. Easy. Mm. It's very simple. The second thing I think you can do is the tools. And of course, you need to have some sort of tools that keep you secure, just your security. There are lots of them. I'm not going to come up with names that are available here, but you should have something. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a business, you should be more buttoned up. If you're just a regular consumer, you, you should still use something that filters your uh, messages or ha can help you by somehow. Mm -hmm. 
And then the third thing, I think it's the government. And I think here in this country where like we only have two telecom, large telecom operators here, right? Doing it is a lot. Yeah. You control, you have the full control over the network. Again, using AI in order to recognize the signal, early signals of scams is exceptionally easy. Mm -hmm. It is a very easy project for for the government to say, okay, we're going to recognize every single time someone is having a call and then UAE pass OTP comes into this very same number, that's a signal of a suspicious conversation. Yeah. We want to check that. So it, it, it's not, a, you don't even need the AI. It's like a simple trigger, yeah, yeah. but you can still use a lot of AI to filter this out. So yeah. if you wanted to, you could really help. And it's much more difficult, for example, in the US where you have hundreds of telecom providers mm. and it's way larger here. It's very much doable. Mm. And I hope that we will be able to come up with some sort of programs yeah. and make the city even safer. I think this is the absolutely one of the safest places in the world yeah. from yeah. a physical perspective. I think from a digital perspective, it would be very cool to make this the most safe digital city or this space, Dubai, the most safe digital space in the world. That would be really, really cool. That's something that I dream of. I've been living here for 10 years. I've been yeah. loving Dubai for 10 years. And I think that it's such an opportunity for the city. So you need to create something here then, Yuri, that we can use here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, we should, we should, we should consider that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Yuri. That was a, a beautiful end to, to a great conversation. Uh, thanks for being with us in the studio. Um, and uh, guys, um, watch us, watch this uh, interview uh, on our streaming platform, Smashy TV, or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts uh, and Rami. Uh, Apple uh, or uh, or Spotify uh, and one more thing we are also available on YouTube and verticals and follow us on social media thank you and we'll see you tomorrow thank you for having me